I'm going to give you my number. Let me find them. Great. Let's see. Oh. Now I have one in here. So, Look, why don't you just tell it to me? I got a really good memory. Well, the number's 555-905. Wait a minute, that's my old number. That is so weird how your mind just goes blank. For God's sake, just give me the Gun. damn number! This is episode 176 of Gundam at MEHQ. Live! Yeah! Let's go! Oh my god, I can't believe we're doing this. <laughs> why Why are we doing this? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll find out tonight. <laughs> why do anything? Exactly. I'm Chris Guanche, and who the hell are you again? My name is Soberayu. I know it's been a while. <laughs> I, I know some people were asking if you were dead and buried. Oh yeah, I was. I was. I was like Ryan Reynolds <laughs> on the cell phone, ask, calling for help, <laughs> wait for uh, somebody to come rescue me. It took a while. It took a while, but uh, I'm glad to be back, man. And uh, it's good to talk to you again, man. It's been too long. The feeling is not mutual. Oh, well, chance. <laughs> oh man, but. It's- so for those who are listening live, we are live streaming on YouTube and we have a chat where you filthy, filthy people can interact with us. <laughs> Absolutely, man. I see in the chat we've got Gundam Pharmacist, uh, Mosquito Valentine, uh, our boy, uh, one of our regulars, Yazi, of course, Joseph Diane. Yo, welcome everybody, man. Thanks for coming out tonight to watch the stream live. And if you're listening to a recording of this, you can... Uh, you, of course, uh, this episode will be uploaded to our audio feed, as all our podcasts are, and you can check it out there. But if you happen to uh, catch the audio version of this and you want to know where to check the show out live, you can watch it live on YouTube.com slash Gundam, M-A-H-Q slash live. Never been to the channel before? Go there and hit that follow button, and you'll be made aware whenever we stream live. So we're going to do things a little differently this time. We're not going to have any... Neo's news, but Sober, I believe you have uh, part of a story to spin for us. <laughs> well, if anything, I basically wanted to uh, catch up with you, basically, on uh, some of the things that have been going on. I know that um, since we haven't been around the last couple of months, we have uh, we have uh, basically some new mecha shows that are on television right now. Um, one of them being, of course, the new Macross series, Macross Delta, and I know that's been re- um, receiving mixed reviews from all sorts of different people. And uh, I remember talking to you briefly about it. You said you've been enjoying it so far. I have yet to watch any of the episodes, but I know that. We'll of be- course. Yeah. 
episodes. I plan on changing that next week, so I will be watching and getting caught up with all the episodes because I know we have to review the show uh, very soon. So, um, if anything, we'll be covering that on a future episode of Gundam. And uh, just what what are your overall thoughts about the show so far? I love it a lot. I am liking it at this point more than Frontier, in large part because Hayate is a much like much more likable protagonist than mm-hmm. Alto ever was. And it's a very interesting story delving into the protoculture and exploring it much more than any series up to now has. Yeah. And as for the mixed reviews, it's the same people who always complain about Macross the exact same way every single time, who want it to be something that it's not, and who criticize it for not being something that it's never been. Oh, man. (laughs) So I would ignore all of that hatred. But also, also, given how good this series is, Mm -hmm. I'd like to give a special two-finger salute to Harmony Gold for their continued dickery and preventing <laughs> the show. Yo, that two-finger salute. <laughs> I think you know which two fingers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> They're being, being quite dickish with the license, man. I know a lot of people have been wanting, wanting to uh, watch the show legitimately, and uh, I know I've been uh, talking to some people and the struggles of having to wait for subtitles for the show. <laughs> Well, the the good news is, if you have disposable income, the Blu-rays, which of course are Region A, will have English subtitles. So I think that's um, Studio Do and State Lights two finger salute to Harmony Gold as well. Absolutely. So at, at least you can, uh, if you if you do have a ton of money and you're able to import the Blu-rays, you can you can watch them legitimately and support the show across the across the ocean. Holy God, that's a lot yeah. of money, though. <laughs> And and for good measure, I'm also giving Harmony Gold the um, Joaquin Phoenix thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> it's hovering in the middle for a second, and then you turn it yes. down. <laughs> yes, which is that scowl Man. And, and that disdain plainly written on my face. No one gives good scowl like Joaquin Phoenix does. <laughs> But, man, I'm glad to hear you're enjoying it, and I can't wait to check it out myself. Uh, uh, you guys know I like to do uh, live commentaries for shows, I'm, well, at least for some of the shows I'm watching. And um, if you guys uh, know where to go, uh, bit.ly slash ShinStation. Next week, I'll be sitting down and knocking out a bunch of episodes of Macross Delta. So if you guys want to see my reactions, you're more than welcome to check that out. Um, but uh, another uh, show recently got announced. Um, what is it? Uh, Transformers Combiner Wars. And um, did you see anything about that yet? I haven't. Uh, I've been falling off Transformers kind of recently because Robots in Disguise really has not been doing it for me. Yeah. And I recognize I'm not the audience for that show, and that's okay. <laughs> it doesn't have to be for me, and I, I just am not feeling it. Yeah, it's... It, it's um, I saw... Well, I didn't watch Robots in Disguise myself because I, I, it looked like it was for a younger di- dem- demographic, although I meant to watch the pilot, but... I saw a couple previews and it's just it didn't speak to me either, so I left that well enough alone. But um, I did see one of the I saw the prologue to uh, Combiner Wars, and it, it seems interesting. It seems that like it has the vibe of the current current IDW comics, and um, it didn't seem to have the voice talent that we're accustomed to hearing. Though Prime sounds like he's done by some other voice actor, and Megatron sounds horrible. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and uh i mean uh what what they showed was pretty much a motion comic 
but uh, I wonder how the animation will be in the, f- the finished product. I know it's being uh, uh, produced by Machinima, or produced for Machinima, I should say, and it's supposed to be a more adult series, so I'm excited to see what they come up with, man. If it's more in line with Prime, I- I'm down to check it out, so I guess we'll see what's going to be happening with that. But um, any, uh, any news that you uh, can think of that uh, has been happening over the last couple of weeks, or you guys in the chat, if there's anything that uh, you guys... Um, know that has come up recently that you guys wanted to talk about well, let us know we got we got to mention the news that the apocalypse has been re-uncanceled yes yes oh my god that practically pulled out of the grave <laughs> thank you china sometimes you do good stuff <laughs> yes but yeah so um you basically you're alluding to pacific rim 2 from the sound of it Yes, coming out in 2018 and starring John Boyega as the son of Elba. Yeah, yeah, it's Stacker Pentecost's son. What's it going to be called? Uh, Blacker Pentecost? Yes. <laughs> Why the hell not? Well, it would be really cool if they call him Stringer Pentecost. I'd lose my damn mind. <laughs> lose my shit. Oh, my God. I, I'm going to uh, give him the fan name of Stringer Fintacost. There you go. <laughs> Yazzie says he posted that on Neo's News. Thank you, Yazzie. Well, uh, next episode, we'll have more organized news segment where we'll have uh, pictures and videos and whatever for that. But uh, we decided to take it easy this time with the news. And uh, if anything, thank you guys for, uh, for, for contributing to the Neo's News. Continue to do so over on the uh, Mecha Talk forums for Gundam. Uh, the thread is still there, so you guys can contribute. And hopefully Neil will be back soon in order to uh, to do his uh, whole trusty news segment, man. We'll be here for five hours. <laughs> or, or maybe uh, he, he got uh, downsized from corporate layoffs. Oh, maybe. In the news business. Oh, Lord. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Lord King won't stand for it. <laughs> oh, man. But, yeah, uh, I'm excited for Pacific Rim, too, man. Uh, it makes me wonder exactly how much of a budget they'll have. But um, I know that Legendary recently got bought out by a Chinese uh, company. I believe it was called Wanda. And uh, the show did, sorry, not the show, but the movie did extremely well overseas, uh, enough for it to warrant a sequel. So um, it's the, it seems to be the same story for uh, World of Warcraft, too. So, um, it, not World of Warcraft, but the Warcraft movie that just came out didn't make jack here, but it made tons of money in China. And it's pretty much guaranteeing a sequel for that movie, too. So the Chinese uh, box office is starting to make a, a big uh, a big difference for, for some of these blockbusters that are coming out. And I'm glad to see that at least Pacific Rim is one of the uh, the benefactors of that. So I don't, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing yet. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> it's good the Pacific Rim did good enough yeah. to warrant a sequel, but also Terminator did really well in China. And that is like, um, Oof. no thanks. I don't think that franchise is going anywhere for a while anyway. <laughs> Not before it goes back to the hands of uh, James Cameron so we can sell it off to someone else who can't make a Terminator movie. I can't wait for that. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> but uh, if anything, uh, I don't know if any of you guys... I- I've got to ask you, uh, and this is off topic, but uh, uh, recently one of the uh, the greatest season finales I've ever see- uh, ever witnessed aired on American television... Uh, and it was uh, the season finale of Game of Thrones. And I wanted to ask you quickly, since you've been an avid book reader, when did you read the first book, just out of curiosity? 1999. So you've been in this for almost 20 years, theorizing. Unfortunately. Feeling the pain of waiting for each book, while slobs like me get to watch season after season. (laughs) Yes. Being spoon-fed. 
how was your reaction to just watching season six and seeing the show um, pretty much be without the guide of the books for the most part? How was it? Was it entertaining, or were you uh, really upset about the the events unfolding? Winter is here. Yeah. <laughs> that white raven. <laughs> yes. Um, you know, this whole season and everything that happened basically just makes me say, F off, George R. R. Martin. Oh. Finish writing the damn book. You had five years <laughs> to get this book out, and you blew it. Woo! And it's like, it's not even a question now of obviously it's, he's you know, blown season six. And the next question is, will book six even manage to come out before season seven? And I'm leaning towards no, <laughs> because he just can't get his shit together. Well, did he, has, has he given a report on how far along he is with the, 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 with the six he, books? He stopped doing that because of all the kerfuffle of books four and five. He would mention his optimistic progress on his live journal, and then he would keep <laughs> blowing every single self-imposed deadline. So mm-hmm. he stopped doing that entirely because people were getting super pissed. Yeah. Go, oh, yeah, you know, it's going great, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, I rewrote everything for the fifth time. Oh, my God. <laughs> He's a perfectionist. I, I get that, and uh, I, I, I can't say that I've read... Art is never finished. There's just a point where you stop and move on, and yeah. there's nobody at an editorial level telling him, dude, just fucking stop. Get it done. Yeah, I, I can't... Just let him rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite and rewrite. As long as it's taking me to get podcast out, I can't talk. <laughs> but- you can't talk, but I can. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially since you're in the... You're in... You're... you're, you're um, your actual job is writing, so <laughs> you know how to meet deadlines and, and deal with all the pressures of dealing with that. Uh, yo, shout out to Royston Joseph. He says, finish the book. <laughs> Inevitably. Inevitably it will. Yeah, but- and, and all this thing about you know, whenever the hell book six comes out, there's still book seven after that, so yeah. this show will be long over before that book ever comes out. Maybe I'll be old. Maybe I'll be dead. <laughs> Who no, knows? That, that wishful thinking. <laughs> I'm I'm picturing uh you know that classic meme image of a skeleton on a bench just sitting there. There you go. So that's me waiting for book seven. You're looking like that dude in Zeta Gundam when they went to that <laughs> when they went yes. to that colony. colony. <laughs> <laughs> that mummified corpse. Yep. <laughs> yo, yo, that's that's Chris's status right now. <laughs> Yahtzee says, George R. R. Martin, I thought he was too busy being the Gordon's fisherman. No. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. Yo, shout out to Doc and Dalo. I saw y'all just sliding in. Thanks for coming out tonight. Um, yeah, um, I, I really enjoyed this season. And it, it doesn't really bother me if... Uh, if I haven't read the books, uh, admittedly. And uh, I, I, I would love to think that maybe the show's going to go its own route and the books will go their own route and the readers and the viewers of the show will have different experiences. We've seen that, you know, in other adaptations. Well, he's told them how it's supposed to all end. Mm -hmm. And from the way they've made it sound, they'll roughly get to the same point, but how they get there will not be the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure there'll be some remarkable differences between the two. He even already admitted 
um, in one particular case, the way Hodor, well, let me, let me not say too much, but uh, a specific event with Hodor plays out a little differently in the, in the book he's currently writing. So uh, I'm interested to see exactly how that does play out when that book finally hits shelves in about five years. <laughs> but anyway, let's get back to robots before somebody complains. Let's do. But uh, I've got to say that finale was amazing. And uh, overall, did you, uh, do, did you enjoy the season? I think it's one of the best seasons of the show. Good shit, good shit. Yeah, we won't spoil it for you guys, but if you're not caught up on Game of Thrones, give that show a ch- uh, check that show out. There's very few people who aren't, but uh, if you're not, um, give it a shot, man. You got 60 episodes to watch. But also, uh, always check your baked goods always. to see what's in them. Ooh, oh, <laughs> yo, Shakespeare. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But yeah, um, if anything, uh, any any anything else of note before we jump into tonight's topic? Uh, since people mentioned it in the chat, we should at least uh, give a little bit of lip service to the new Voltron. Yeah, we should. Um, have you watched? Have you had? Have you had the chance to watch it yet? I've watched about five episodes. Good stuff. Yeah, um, I watched the entire show, and I gotta say, I really did enjoy it. Um, some of the things that threw me off were the the vibe uh, of the way the characters interact with each other sometimes, because it had that whimsical feeling. But at the same time, it's from the cats that did Korra and. Um, and, and Avatar. So if you were, if you watch those shows, which I only watched a little bit of uh, Avatar in the beginning, and that was about it. Um, I'm sure you felt right at home, but for me, I had it was something I had to get used to. But I do love some of the changes they made to the characters and some of the evolution that they did to the team and how the how the team breaks down. I think is one of the coolest things about the show. But, I don't mind the uh, the humor and the whimsical tone. The only thing that gets kind of tiresome because even in just five episodes they they really kind of overdo it is uh the fat jokes it's like okay (laughs) fat jokes been around for decades not getting any funnier oh man can't we do something else yo hunk (laughs) he does love food they go (laughs) oh yeah they, they they play a little bit too much on that but uh if anything, the writing gets a little bit smarter as the show goes along. Uh, I'm, I'm certain we'll touch upon Voltron again once Chris finishes the show, and we'll uh, review it in a future episode of Gundam. But uh, I overall have positive things to say about the show. I like uh, the fights, especially. They don't rely on Voltron in every episode, which I think is really cool, because uh, that was a problem with the original show, is that Voltron was a crutch, and every episode they had to have a form blazing sword and destroy a real beast. And in this show, they use Voltron when they have to, and it's always smart in how they use it. And they run into true challenges in the show and have to use intelligence in order to take their enemies down. So that already uh, shows me how um, how the writers are taking this material and trying to move it on to the next level. And I really commend the people who are producing the show right now. I'm looking forward to the next season when it drops. All right. All right. Well, if that is it, we're going to jump in to our main subject tonight, which is episodes 16 through 25 of Mobile Suit Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans. Uh, Basically, we're going to have an open-ended discussion about Iron-Blooded Orphans, and we're going to talk about just the moments that happened in this season, and uh, the the high points, the low points, um, things of note. And uh, I'll start off with one of the... uh, the earliest uh, moments in the season, in episode 16, actually, uh, Fumitan's, uh, Fumitan's sacrifice that she makes and her, 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 um, the conflict that she goes through with her, uh, 
um, with her mission versus her uh, her friendship with Kudelia. Um, as a character, man, uh, did you feel that uh, Fumitan actually was developed well in the series? Yeah, I'm digging back here since, you know, finished this show a while ago. And yeah. <laughs> it took us a long time to get to this point. Um, I thought she was okay. You know, I, I never really um, got much of a vibe from her that there was that much of a friendship between her and Kudelia. It seemed like always more sort of one-sided mm-hmm. from Kudelia's side and that uh, Fumitan put up with her sort of like spoiled brat that she's in charge of <laughs> and we saw that early on did not like her at all yeah she um for the most part uh, you, you can see her rough upbringing bringing on Mars and uh, the fact that she you know pretty much had had no respect for, for Kudelia and you know eventually got was able to warm up to her and that whole sad story that led up to her death once she realized that um she couldn't let the assassination for assassination for Cordelia uh, go through um it was a touching moment i just wish she would she was uh, more than just a footnote that would help to develop Cordelia as a character cuz before that point she you know Cordelia was still kind of you know uh not 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 the strong leader that we wanted her to be and go ahead I just think also with Fumitan that her, the whole episode leading up, you know, the whole episode leading up to her death, which is named after her as Gundam loves to do so often, it was just unnecessarily drawn out because it was just so obviously telegraphed that it would be happening that you're just kind of counting down the moments, waiting for it to happen. Mm -hmm. Like, is it going to be here? Is it going to be here? Oh, oh, there it is. Yeah, it, 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 this show has a problem with uh, telegraphing deaths. It's, it's pretty, pretty obvious when they set up someone to die in the show. It's, it's one thing when someone throws up some death flags and mm-hmm. then they die, but when they have like flags that have flags planted in them and then have flags planted in those flags and they're waving <laughs> one of those in each arm, so we're talking like six flags total. Mm-hmm. That's just too many flags. Good lord. <laughs> I know you're supposed to raise your flag, but just like raise one or two flags, not six. Exactly. I just don't understand how uh <laughs> I just don't understand how they couldn't have been more subtle with it or or tried to surprise us. There were some deaths that were surprising, and we'll get to those later. But um there was another death that was actually terribly uh terribly uh telegraphed, and that was the death of uh one of my favorite characters in the series, uh my man Biscuit. I, I was I was upset. <laughs> no. Upset that he died, or that his death was so telegraphed. Oh, that shit was wide open, man. Like you, I could tell from the previous episode that it was going to happen when he and Orga had the falling out. And I like I like the schism between them because um, Biscuit had valid concerns. He, uh, his, you know, after the, the shit went down with his brother and then uh, knowing that they're putting their lives on the line for maybe a cause that may be well over them and, you know, maybe it's time to go home and pack it up so that way we don't all get killed. You know, Biscuit was trying to grasp the reality of the situation and Orga, you know, he wanted to press forward, which, you know, I'm also behind too. I don't want to see them fail at their mission. But um, at that point in time, I, I think Biscuit, you know, had had a valid argument and maybe they were going in this a little too hastily. And... um then of course shit goes down and he dies uh in in a pretty bad way <laughs> oh and and killed by such a 
inane, stupid character. I know, no I know. Which is why when the, something happens later on, I stood up and I applauded. But we'll get to that. <laughs> yes. Oh, and what? A, but that character. What was her name again? It was a uh, Carta. Carta. Thank you. I was one. I was want to call her Magna Carta. But uh, <laughs> of course you would. Oh my god! I I saw all this love for this character before I even got introduced to her in the show when I got caught up in the episodes, and she is two dimensional at best. I think the the love for her may come from uh, who plays her. Who who plays her? Oh, that would be uh, Kikuko Inoue, age seventeen. Oh wow! For real? What? What? <laughs> well, I guess I, I can understand the fan base behind her then. But uh, yeah, she just seemed to not really have much dimension to her at all. Uh, even when we found out their backstory, how she and uh, Galeo and McGillis they all grew up together. And she was kind of like the Sundaria of the bunch, but she had a uh, a bit of a uh, a love Jones for McGillis. Um, even then, it really didn't give that character much dimension to me at all. Um, but you, you know, she's like she's not even Sundere or Yandere because mm-hmm. she just comes across bitchy on the outside, <laughs> and then deep down inside is still bitchy. Yeah. <laughs> so you got the daddy, but that's all there is. It's uh, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a problem. But um, it, when I when I saw uh, her inevitable end, as we see in a later episode, uh, um, well, basically after the death of Biscuit, for those who don't know, um, it, the the group needs to have a regroup, basically, and uh, what's Orga is uh, is out of it for a moment because he's kind of lost his confidence until Mika pretty much uh, stamps him out of it, and he rallies the troops to move forward to uh edmund was it edmonton i believe yeah yes and um that train ride holy shit um one of the greatest scenes in this show to me is the moment where she wants to have a duel with mika at the train and he gives no fucks (laughs) about her rules and about her uh the her, her her what she wants to do he just tears into her completely and it's one of the most satisfying one-sided fights I have ever seen. Yes. <laughs> Holy shit. I was like, man, I feel bad for her because she didn't know who she was fucking with. But, <laughs> but she should have known by this point in time. And- Given that, uh, you know, you had before that, um, Hunk McStrongman <laughs> shot at her. While they were yeah. doing their, their poses and uh, doing their little slogan. Hunk- <laughs> It just blasted out of not even caring. Yo, far, get the pharmacist says, language, soul, bro. Thank you, Captain America. I appreciate it. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people at the time were complaining that uh, what Mika did was dishonorable and not fair and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And number one, when has he ever shown that he gives a shit about what anyone considers to be honorable or fair? He, he is someone who fights with almost animal-like instinct to stay alive. Yeah, he cuts right to the and, chase. And two, who in, in Gallarhorn, especially someone from the Seven Stars, what, what consideration do they deserve? They're all shitty people exactly. who oppress the entire Earth sphere and the outer spheres and the Mars sphere. So, fuck them. Who cares about them? Why... <laughs> Why do they deserve any decent treatment when they do not give any decent treatment to all the people who suffer under them? 
Exactly. Like they didn't play by the rules, so why should uh why should these these kids that are on the back foot the entire series, they're going to play by the rules? How are they going to survive? <laughs> I mean, let's if we if we want to talk about fair fights and who deserves fair fights, mm-hmm. back to uh the Dort colonies and the fact that Gallerhorn pre-sabotaged the crappy worker mobile suits that they knew the colonists would be using against them, so they had absolutely zero chance of ever actually accomplishing anything. And then on top of that, let's do a false flag attack and massacre all these civilians. But yeah, those people deserve a fair fight. And that's the whole point. Gallahorn is is a brutal organization. They're a war machine, and they're they're kind. They have these people that are involved in the organization that really don't care about who they're killing. Um, and they're kind of just more obsessed with their own status. I mean, the rare exception, of course, is Galeo. He seems to be like a decent dude. Um, but even he... With, that's one guy. That's one guy compared to the entire organization. Even a dude like Ayn, who was a Martian, who gets shitted on, um, and but he, he wants to serve this organization and move up the ranks, and he doesn't care about his fellow Martians, basically, and he's he's willing to take out children, and he even he will stoop to scumbag uh, levels in order to try to achieve his means, even if he loses his humanity doing it. It's 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 pretty messed up, and um, you know you, I, I can't I can't blame a character like McGillis wanted to take down the organization, even at the cost of his own, <laughs> the cost of the people that he came up with. Uh, which we'll get into, I'm sure, soon. But uh, let's see here. Um, any any um, any moments? Well, actually, right here on Twitter, uh, uh, Shel Shel uh, Shelcod, aka Panzer Panzer Armory, he says the best part of IBO season one was how brutal Mika was in those fights. Especially, he was basically the anti Kira. <laughs> it was uh, pretty much. Pretty much, or, or for more recent example, the anti Kyo. The anti Kyo. I believe Yazi actually said something about that too. He says, "I've said this to Solbro before, uh, but Mika is truly the grandchild that his old man, Fli- the grandchild old man Flit wanted and needed in age. The anti Kyo. <laughs> I see you guys still have a lot of love for Kyo. Good lord. <laughs> but yeah, getting back to how Mika murdered that chick." Uh, <laughs> She got what she deserved. She did. Um, I I I uh, felt bad for any for anybody. I felt bad for was Galeo, who uh, pretty much carried her off to uh, to to into the throes of death for the most part. Uh, he quote unquote rescued her in her mind, thinking that she was uh, McGillis, but thinking that he was McGillis. Which uh, uh, do you feel that uh, Galeo kind of had the uh, feelings for her, and he kind of went went with uh, unrequited love, or you think it was just friendship between them? I never got any indication that he had the hots for her. Obviously, she had a thing for McGillis that's totally one-sided because all he cares about is uh, is his ambitions. Yeah. He has no room for her and her nonsense. <laughs> well, damn. Uh, Gundam Pharmacist says, understanding. <laughs> You'll get none of that from Mika, sir. You'll get none of that. But um, anyway. okay. So uh, there is a comment here from Zeta Rise. Did she really deserve it? She was a soldier, essentially doing her job. Wouldn't say she deserved it. I would say she was because she was an incompetent elite who had no business being command of one soldier, let alone a fleet. Earth, and she is there only because of nepotism 
and her last name and the fact that she's one of the seven stars. So completely incompetent elite who has no skills, no abilities, and wants to, you know, fight against Tekadan just because she's part of this tired system. Yes, she deserves what she gets because she is a symbol of that system as much as anyone else that high ranking. Yeah. Exactly. Like she did dumb shit on the battlefield. And you don't if anything, you know, if you're gonna sit there and pose on the battlefield or throw out these arbitrary rules, uh Queensberry rules for a battle when you know you're the people you're fighting are fight with guerrilla warfare, you're gonna get mowed down. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if this was G Gundam, that'd be a different story. <laughs> but this ain't it at all. So yeah, it's uh it's, Although um, this kind of remind me, you mentioned G Gundam, those early days when Domon was so brash and rude, and he would just interrupt fights and just not give a shit mm-hmm. and go at people like that. Yeah. <laughs> that devil make care attitude, just going in. <laughs> but yeah, um, Yazi says the only understanding from Mika is a bullet to the head and a pile bunker through the chest. <laughs> through the chest. Oh, that shit is that shit is horrible. But yeah, um, after um, after the death of Biscuit, uh, there's a noticeable change in the in the group uh, as they get closer to Edmonton, and they become kind of uh, possessed on getting Codelia to her uh, to her goal. And not only Codelia, but um, what's that gentleman's name? Uh, Makanai. Makanai, yes, the 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 man with the greatest beard in all of Gundam. <laughs> Gravity-defying beard. I cannot understand it, but I'll, I'll roll. I'll roll with it. Uh, when they get to Earth, which is a great moment, but in the series, by the way, I, I love the fact that uh, when they get to Earth, which we knew it was all coming, it was the ultimate goal. Uh, when they get there, they realize that they've been duped, and they got to get this guy. They got to get this guy to the Greek, basically, and and get him to uh, Edmonton, so that way he can uh, reach Parliament and be able to uh, to uh, to keep his uh, his tenure going. And um, in order for Cordelia to have a shot at um, uh, representing the Mars- Martian people and, and being able to get autonomy eventually, which uh, I guess they kind of got autonomy, but they still have uh, they still have to work out some of the kinks and details for that. Um, but let's see, um, any any uh, any other major moments that come to your mind at all that you want to jump into? Well, I might as well just get to the end, yeah. and um, I think. The highlight for the end of season one is not at all the battle between uh, Mika and uh, Ayn, mm-hmm. but McGillis oh. becoming the sharring its char that ever shard. Oh my sweet Christ, man. I love that scene so much because when he lays the, the heavy shit on G- Galeo and he's bawling at the, at the, at the heel turn... I feel I, if there's anyone I felt bad for was Galeo because he had good intentions, but he would have never reached him. He, he was more in line with being a company man, although he would have probably been a better commander in Gallahorn than anyone else. But he did not move fast enough for uh, for McGillis, and McGillis knew he couldn't use he couldn't bring him in on his plan because I I think his honor and duty would have would have would have never allowed him to go along with that plan in the first place. But um, the back and forth between them was 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 insane. I I loved that Galeo brought up Carta and how she was used like a fucking puppet. <laughs> As was he. As was he. And oh, by the way, I'll take good care of your sister. <laughs> that was the 
slide. <laughs> Holy shit. I lost it. It's like, don't worry. I'll take care of your sister. That was like just rubbed with salt in the wound. <laughs> and you know, this I feel like worked really well mm -hmm. compared to what it's harkening back to because if you look at MSG absent the origin, you see that uh, Garma and Char are friends and we're told that they're great friends. But if you go by the TV version, pretty much from the moment they cross paths, Char is trying to kill him at every opportunity, almost yes. cartoonishly. It's like this one, this, this relationship between their, these two is more fleshed out than the relationship between Garma and Char. And that's including all the stuff we got from Gundam The Origin. This one seems to be a, a, a bit more fully realized between them because Galeo is yeah. more than just uh, a, uh, a nepotism-based dandy. He actually has yeah. skill, and he actually is an overall decent man. Even if you include the origin, both the manga and the anime, mm -hmm. you can see that Char never cared yeah. about Garma and that being friends with him was just a means to an end. Whereas I get the impression from the entire first season of Orphans that McGillis did consider Galio a friend, but sacrificed him regretfully for the sake of his ambitions. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, it's 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 just it has more a lot more depth to that. And 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 when the when the heel turn happens, when the when the traitoring happens, uh, which is not a word, of course, but <laughs> when it happens, it it is all the more powerful when it does. Uh, Mao says, uh, favorite moment of season one. A uh, Gundam X Mao, I should say, says, uh, favorite moment of season one is Montag's heel turn. I felt really bad for Galio. Hashtag dead dandy. Hashtag the villain we need. <laughs> Oh. Or I suppose you could say that McGillis uh, is good at acting like he considers Galio to be a really good friend. Yeah, yeah. He, he acted. I know there was, some, there was some feelings there because you, could, you can see the anguish on McGillis' face when he's doing what he's doing. Because he, he, this is him getting his hands dirty instead of using other people to get his hands dirty, which I respect with McGillis. As much as I, I believe he's going to become one hell of a villain in season two, at least in this part he was doing his part to make things uh, usher things forth with his own ability. And I, I, I had to respect that even though he was killing off uh, Gal Galeo, which I don't believe is dead. I don't think Galeo is dead at all. I, you never think anybody's dead. Hey man, look, <laughs> I've been right once. <laughs> you know what? Suzaku mm -hmm. did it. Suzaku did it indeed. What? Uh, what yo, that, was, that was not mine. <laughs> I know. But what reason do you have to believe that he would be alive because of Ein. Ein is the foreshadowing of what's going to happen to Galio. I think he's going to be revived in a similar way that Ein was, and he's going to become uh, this, <laughs> a uh, a cyborg inside of a uh, uh, his mobile suit for the most part. They're going to rebuild it, maybe some organization, and he'll be brought back because he still has he still has elements in the story. And I think if he is revived, he's going to be a thorn in the side of McGillis. Because McGillis will be in a, a position of power at that point in time, and I want to see someone to be able to challenge him and take him on. So that'll be interesting to see if there's going to be strange bed bedfellows in season two with Galeo teaming up with the uh, with the with the with the War Boys, or if there's going to be some other way it plays out. But I, I just think the story still has purpose for him. Well, ask yourself this: mm -hmm. How would any of that make sense from McGillis's perspective? Yeah. <laughs> Given how far he goes mm -hmm. for his ambitions, he screws over his own dad yeah. 
and takes over his family. He engineers Carta's death. He engineers uh, Galio's death. He goes along with his marriage to unite their two houses. If he wants to do all this stuff to destabilize the Seven Stars and Gallarhorn, don't you think he would make damn well sure that he's landing a killing blow on the Kimaris? Yeah, I suppose you're right. I suppose like, wouldn't that just be just the worst oversight ever for someone who we see has many, many plans and manipulations and is very thorough in all of his manipulations? Well, here's my question to you. Would you be upset if he does come back in season <laughs> in season two? Yes. Because oh, I'm tired I'm tired of people uh seemingly being dead and then mm-hmm. coming back unscratched or coming back as robots or coming back as cyborgs, you know, stop comic booking all of these deaths. Just let people die and let it be a dramatic end because it's a great scene of Galio losing his shit and McGillis basically just say like, whatever, bro. Whatever, bro. I'm feeling. <laughs> Come at me. Come at me. Your fists mean nothing to me. So what you're saying is no Jon Snow's here. <laughs> no resurrections. We don't need them. We don't need them. I, I, I think if they write it clever enough, I, I think they could pull it off. But you're, I, I see where you're coming from. I, I think that um, if they bring him back in a very shallow way, then you know what's the point then? Because McGillis would be seen as an idiot, not making sure that that dude is dead. But um, I've I've seen I've seen some comebacks in Gundam before, so I just I'm just interested in seeing how that plays out. But I I I have a feeling that he will see him again. I do, but uh, we'll see we'll see what happens. But yeah, that was an awesome awesome development throughout that episode. And uh, I gotta say that that conflict was the one that really uh, gripped me because the fight between uh, Mika and Ayn, as good as it was, it was a pretty impressive battle, um, especially when Mika, you know, pretty much sacrifices his arm and his eye in that battle. That was pretty, fu- pretty freaking brutal. Um, I wouldn't say it was that impressive. I mean, so. it was it was well done, but yeah. it wasn't that well done. I mean, look by comparison, mm-hmm. the final fights in the season one finale of Double O. Yeah, just look at uh, Setsuna versus uh graham yeah let alone all the other fights in that episode or or the episode before like they were just done a lot better yeah you know the the stakes felt higher and i don't know it just felt like ein was like a glorified mid boss yeah season end boss yeah i i i started to just really hate his character halfway through the series especially how obsessed he was getting i get it he's that captain ahab character where he has got to be obsessed with killing off these kids because his so-called my he killed my commander so i've got to avenge him it's like dude you're taking on children come on man they're evil children (laughs) but the children of the corn (laughs) quite literally too Yo, Mars. Mars and ethanol. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, you know, it's like at the end, he was a broken record because he just became more and more obsessed over getting revenge. And, you know, there's only so much you can take of Krankney! But it's also a good illustration of, you know, the depths that people will fall into because of obsession and, and the madness that it will drive them to of turning themselves into machines. Yes. But overall, he's not a compelling season end boss. It's like, 
it, it feels like you're playing a game and you get to this boss and it's a mid-level boss, but then suddenly the game ends. <laughs> but you know that there's a final boss and you haven't gotten to him yet. That's true. That's true. He was pretty shallow at the end of the day and uh, he seemed to be more of an obstacle than he was uh, an actual uh, actual character that had any kind of substance to him uh, or any kind of substantial stakes. Just a guy obsessed with killing uh, killing women <laughs> and children. Yeah. Jesus. And um, also the sort of like blink and you'll miss it moment where Mika just suddenly gets the Elias system and goes full power. It's like, what, I, like I never quite followed what it was that happened in that moment. It just seemed like it just happened because it had to and he needed uh, a boost to beat Ayn and then kick his ass. You're know, like a deus ex machina just kicking in all of a sudden for him to actually uh, to, to win the battle for the most part. I mean, there was at least a cost for him doing that though, right? Sure, yes, but it just seems like that understanding came out of understanding lowercase. Yeah. Came out of just nowhere. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I get it, and then poof. Like, what, what was the trigger? What did you actually get? What changed? Yeah, that's true. Uh, at, at the end of the day, he's, Mika's still Mika. Even uh, even with his now his handicap, I mean he does get the use of his eye and his limb back when he gets inside the suit. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see exactly where that takes him as a, a take how he deals with that handicap in the in the second season. I I, I, I think he'll adapt, but he won't be very much different disposition wise. <laughs> but um, let's see. Uh, but yeah, outside of uh, outside of the battles, man, did it bother you that nobody died? In yes. the finals, it bothered the shit out of me, man. I was a bit pissed. Like, they showed them go out in the worst ways. And then you see that they're all right in the final shots of the episode. I literally said, what the F? <laughs> when, I was watching, when I was watching it on, uh, on, on the final episode, it made no sense to me that all... Those girls especially should have been toast. Yep. <laughs> toast. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on that? I think it was... Uh just sort of a cheap manipulation that episode 24 ends with you thinking that all these people got wrecked. Yeah. And then the, at the end of the season, it's like, Oh no, it's all cool. They're, they're fine. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it, it makes it a little shallow at the end. And I, I, I hated that. Not that I wanted to see those characters die, but I thought there would be at least some cost to the battle. I didn't think that uh, biscuit would have been the last person to die in that group. Uh, and I know they want to save some people for the next season and all that, but they can introduce new characters in season two. We don't have to. There have should that. have been at least like you could have gotten rid of Ozzy. Like she doesn't, she doesn't do anything important. She's not vital. But if you wanted to illustrate like the brutality and sheer lethality of Ein mm-hmm. and his suit, somebody needed to die for that purpose. Yeah. For the most part, yeah, someone because needs- then it shows that with his super powerful like psycho grays, basically, he still didn't manage to kill anybody important. Jesus, <laughs> all the damage that he did, and it's like I just the way they. What bothered me is the way they shot it, uh, and the way that you saw them go out. I just didn't like the fact that they were obviously deceiving us up until that last point because he just made you think. Even if even if only one of them had died, I'd have been fine with that. But to have nobody get killed. Come on, dude. <laughs> that's a that's a bit much. But um, let's see. Any, any anything else that you could think of uh, about the uh, the resolution of the series that you uh, 
that you had anything to critique at all? I mean, overall, it was it was a great first season. I think it was solid. It uh, could have been better earlier on once they leave Mars. Like, just the whole journey from Mars to Dort mm-hmm. takes far too long, and the pace just really was too slow. Like, they were just dragging it out. They didn't, you know, gives the impression that they didn't know what they were doing. And, you know, we did not get an announcement about season two until the very end yeah. of this first season. So it was not clear, unlike Double O, where it was known from the beginning, that there was going to be a second season. So I'm thinking, like, man, they only have X number of episodes left. How are they going to wrap this shit up? Are they going to wrap this shit up? So it it does wrap up pretty decently because they did accomplish the basic goal, which is they got Kudelia to Earth. She gave her speech, and she got what she wanted. Absolutely. But there's still a lot more left to be done. So who knows what kind of behind-the-scenes production things were going on. I hope that um, the writing is a little bit tighter on season two in terms of the pacing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we get – they were like the, the tension really starts to ratchet up once they actually get to Dort. But like the six or seven episodes leading up to that, it's like, ugh, space pirates, ugh, <laughs> asteroids. So many things. Um, someone had wrote in the chat, I saw that for a second. Um, they felt like, uh, I apologize for missing this, but uh, someone had wrote that they felt that the last two episodes were kind of rushed. Um, I, I kind of got that feeling, especially the way the first part of the uh, the two-parter starts off where they're already fighting in the in the city, there was kind of like no no initial um, contact with the forces in Edmonton. You just get thrown into the battle. I, I could appreciate just the urgency of the situation and, and being thrown into that, but at the same time, um, it, we just get thrown in. And um, it, the, the, they, they focus mo- so more on the fights than anything else in the episode than the actual overall resolution, which we eventually get. But um, yeah, I, I guess you, you're right. It, it was a little rushed at the end. Although I do give props to the show for maintaining um, that Dugram feel that mm-hmm. it had from the beginning and for being brutal with its combat to the very end. And at least in the first season, not falling into the Gundam trope of massive ramping up of new technology. Yeah. Like I see there's still endless speculation about when, if, how, and should they introduce beam weapons, and it's like, who cares? You know, they're telling the story that they're doing. They're going for, like, brutal melee combat. Let's just stick with that, because Code Geass started off pretty grounded at the beginning, rel- aesthetically speaking, with, you know, the Sutherlands and Mecca like that, and then, you know, a l- look at where we are at the end of Season 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a stretch. So I, w- I would like to see orphans maintain this level of technological development. And obviously there's going to be more forms to Barbatos, and there's going to be more Gundams, but I don't want to see crazy leaps in technology. Especially, um, and, and, and that brings us to this, uh, this tweet from uh, Heart of Five, the almighty Foofy. He writes, what were your thoughts on the suits and the, uh, and the Gundams and Iron-Blooded Orphans using conventional bullets and shells without beams or lasers? I loved it. I love the fact that they, they used blunt objects and, and bullets. I, I, it, was a, it was a welcome change to not see a beam saber throughout the entire series. Pretty nuts for a Gundam show. Yeah. 
Well, I just answered that question, so yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we got that. Speaking of which, we do have a couple. We have a couple tweets uh, from people who uh, have a couple questions for us. And um, Ra the Ra asks, "This is a bit much for a first question, but um, what has Iron Blooded Orphan Orphan Season One meant for each of you as Gundam fans personally?" Um, uh, for me, it was a refreshing change, uh, especially with the, the the way the series was set up. You had a situation where you didn't start off on Earth or you didn't start off on a colony. You started off on Mars. And we kind of got a little taste of that um, in Gundam Gundam Age, although that was uh, done terribly. <laughs> with, the, with the Mars to Earth to space colony conflict. But this time, the underdogs were Martians. It kind of reminded me of uh, something I'm watching recently, which is Zone of the Enders and how the uh, people on Mars are treated on Zone of the Enders. Um, it kind of reminded me of that, too, where they're treated like just trash and um, pretty much nothing more than the servants of Earth. So to see them have to rise up and make that long, perilous trip from one end of the, uh, <laughs> from, from one planet to another was was an interesting interesting uh, travelogue to see that all play out and to see how these characters develop um i know mika was uh, a huge uh character when it came to controversy um but he didn't bother me all that much i, I know that he pretty much runs on uh one gear and that is to do whatever it takes to survive <laughs> and more so than maybe any other gundam protagonist and he to me uh worked as a protagonist but chris any thoughts on on this question at all yeah, IBO to me was a much needed palate cleanser to wash out the bad taste of age. And yes, I'm sorry to all the dollaring fans of the show, G Reco. Ooh, wow. Because I don't know if you've been following online, but oh, G Reco no. has ascended to uh, levels of elite fandom of Evangelion. Of if you didn't get it, it's because it's too deep for you. Oh, Jesus. What would they, why would they, like, seriously, did they watch the show? <laughs> and there is, out there, a certain Facebook group, very M-like Facebook group, where they love to criticize MHQ in all its forms. Oh, yes. But particularly for uh, some of us not liking g Reco, mm -hmm. and I will say to those people, suck it. It <laughs> was not special. They, they do you're, this. You're not, you're not analyzing some deep piece of art and coming across some philosophical wisdom that all the filthy masses are too stupid to see. Yeah, it, it's the same thing they do every time, which is to take the Gundam series that they've been hating on for ages, no pun intended, and then raise it up. <laughs> <laughs> and then raise it up as if it's the greatest show ever made. And it's like, for real? Are, are, we, are we serious with this? <laughs> I mean, G Record was terrible. Even Tomino said so. So uh, please just get the f out of here with this. And they were shitting on Tomino too. Now they now they back him. I mean, now, now is is it, not not back him, but now is it because they just want to be contrarian to what he says? Is that the deal? <laughs> I don't know what to say. But speaking of age, mm -hmm. you know, now that it's been five years since that show. Mm -hmm started i'm starting to see the uh retroactive rehabilitation of that show yeah and i see on places like reddit and whatnot people discussing that show and saying that they always thought that it was good and that they don't get why people didn't like it and it's like really do we have to do we have to do this for this freaking show is it just not 
obvious how bad are we are we just completely forgetting all of history of Gundam I, at this point I don't even know they, they, they I just honestly do think they do it to be contrarian they're all a bunch of they're all just a bunch of Armand whites <laughs> they stri- they strive to be that guy and what he does it's just it's it's sickening at this point I mean I, it, can you actually pinpoint like specific people that actually say uh, the show sucks and then uh, when the next show comes around like yeah, anybody and not the I'm asking you to call on anyone but like anybody who just has the the balls to not be anonymous on those boards have you ever seen anybody in particular hate a show well, and then love it yeah of course not because we're talking about years and people change handles and whatnot but oh, yeah. uh you know you just see patterns over time in the fandom and I'm talking of course exclusively about the western fandom yeah you know people used to hate double zeta but now it's beloved people used to love zeta but in certain corners it's now derided as literally the worst thing ever so you know the fickle fandom has varying opinions on things at varying times yeah that's true it's uh and i think a lot of times they just do it to show off for the most part just so they can get attention and just piss people off at the end of the day just just being trolls for the most part (laughs) I do want to address a point here from Zeta Rise. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I just love G-Reco because I'm a fan of social commentary, reflecting on the events of World War II and current events in Japan with possibly sending soldiers overseas. Um, well, here's the thing about that. And I know, and this is not an attack on Zeta Rise, but he's bringing up this point mm-hmm. I want to discuss for people who defend shows like this or Evangelion. You can say that a show has social commentary about something and whether the creator intended that social commentary or not, my comment on that is what does any of that matter? The whole point of an entertainment product is to tell a good story. And you can say that your story is a commentary on whatever But if the narrative makes no sense, then that commentary is meaningless and it's just a way for people to hold up as an example of why it's so great and just the ignorant, close-minded masses just don't get it. Yeah. And uh, shout-outs to to Imani Marks, uh, uh, that person, he or she, says, uh, it was a really good idea, it just didn't work. It looked and sounded great, but it it just wasn't. And uh, yeah, I mean, we had high hopes for double, uh, not double O, but we had high hopes for G Record when we first started watching it, and there was a lot of promise there. But the story did not come across in any kind of. Uh, it, there was no fluidity to that story. It was sta- It was. It was just very, very, very uh, uneven for the most part. You'd get a bunch of stalling and then the five five minute info dumps at the end of the episode and it was just it just got tiresome after the at the end after watching that entire series it just it didn't work and uh best of luck next time tomino <laughs> um how about never again how oh. about go retire oh, da- <laughs> enjoy your retirement like george george lucas is that what you're saying I'm saying that he could have gone out on a very high note with Turn A as his last yeah. Gundam project, and he chose to tarnish that with a piece of garbage. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> well then, <laughs> uh, better luck next life. Better luck, l- luck next life, I guess. But uh, uh, Austin here, he asks us, uh, "What are our hopes and dreams for IBO season two? I know yours pretty much is like you want the same level of quality, basically, that you got in season one, if not better, for the most part. But 
Yeah, ahead. I'd like to. I'd like to see tighter writing. I'd like to see more character development and see where Mika goes because he is mostly static. Yeah. For the season, he does have some development in minor ways, like um, the kind of whole subplot of wanting to improve himself and becoming mm-hmm. literate that carries through a little bit. Yeah. But for the most part, through to the end, he's still just uh, Orga's blind and willing killing machine. Yeah, I, I kind of wanted to see a schism between those two characters, and hopefully we'll get some of that in Season 2. Maybe they're building up to that. I, I'm still expecting there's a moment where um, Orga, in pursuit of their goals, he's just going to end up going all big boss on Mika. Yeah. <laughs> and Mika's going to have a real moment of truth where he's going to have to actually think for himself and determine a course of action of how to do something. What if Mika becomes the villain? And Orga is actually the protagonist in that situation. Then, uh, instead, uh, that's what I actually, uh, I, I, that's what I actually uh, foresee. If they do split apart and uh, Mika becomes the aggressor, I would. I, that, I see that happening more than uh, Orga being the aggressor instead. Well, I got something for you. Oh shit! <laughs> what if mm-hmm. someone discovered a sort of legend? Oh, the legend of King Arthur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what if what if something like that happened? Wouldn't that be something to see? Oh Christ! <laughs> Yo, Saji is back, y'all. Confirmed. <laughs> we'll see. No, no. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I am excited to see what happens. I really, if there's any hope I have for season two, I want there to be a time jump, five years at least. I want to see some of the characters grow up, um, especially since they introduced some really young characters in season one, like uh, Cookie and Cracker. If we do see them again, I don't want to see them as kids. Um, and also McGillis is uh, what's his his, his bride to be. She's kind of young, so if we do see her again, if she plays a part in the future storyline, especially since she's the sister of Galeo, um, I'd like to see her as an older character. So, um, Imani Mark says nine years later. <laughs> It wouldn't bother me, man. It wouldn't bother me at all if if it was a, a good time jump ten years later, even because we all started off with these characters as teenagers and young uh, and and early twenties or, or right before uh, late teens for the most part. So it'd be interesting to see them as adults. That's what I'd like. But uh, any any anything else? Any other predictions? People will die, and mm-hmm. the will be upgraded. Sweet. <laughs> Well, um, Gundam X Mal says, uh, do you think last year's BPO complaint will cause Sunrise to put the kid gloves for season two? Uh, that's a very good question. I, uh, I know that that did raise a bit of a stink in season, uh, in season two, season one, when, um, you see Mika openly capping people, <laughs> whether it be a guy who's, uh, handcuffed or a guy who's inside his cockpit just getting shot. But, um... I don't know if it uh I don't know if it affected the show's uh, ratings because I think the show still did pretty well in Japan on the ratings ratings wise, didn't it? I have no idea, but obviously it did well enough to warrant a second season. Yeah, absolutely. So um, that's a good question, Mal. I really hope it doesn't get the show neutered. I, I hope the show is doing well on Adult Swim, by the way, since it just started airing. For those who don't know, I think they're on episode five this week for uh for Iron Blooded Orphans. So you can watch a dub now. Exciting. <laughs> I, I, I would say about that whole issue, mm-hmm. who, who gives a shit about what any group complains about? 
you know, reading the the comments at the time back during what was it, episode three, mm-hmm. and the negativity around it, it sounds like the same nonsense that groups in America say, and they pretty much have no influence over anything. I mean, I remember back in the day people complaining about uh, the Kira and Frey sex scene on Ooh, scene. Yeah. And that changed nothing because that's the same show that some episodes later microwaved people alive. Uh, oh, yeah, like that's it's true. Or popcorn. No. <laughs> so we saw how bothered Sunrise was about having something age-appropriate for their audience when they microwaved all of those Earth Alliance people in Alaska. No doubt. <laughs> Oh my God! Yo, straight Orville Redenbacher, but yeah. yeah. So I don't think Sunrise gives a shit, nor mm-hmm. should they give a shit. And who cares what any complainers have to say? Yeah, as terrible as um, Destiny was, I didn't see it actually slowing down the violence or the uh, riskiness uh, that that series had. So yeah, I guess it doesn't make much of a difference as long as the show has a fan base and a viewership. They'll keep up the level of content that they have so far. So, yeah, I do hope they keep the adult vibe for that season uh, as well. And uh, if they, more people have to get shot in the dome, uh, make sure to double tap. <laughs> you always want to double tap. Oh, yeah, man. Yo, Mika, he don't play. But uh, Bright uh, brings up a favorite character in the series. I know a lot of people love this character. He says uh, his, one of his fav- favorite of Gundam Iron-Blooded Orphans season one Atra taking a beating, showing that she's more than just a cute little girl. Mikazuki's face when he finds out. <laughs> that was a great moment. Uh, Atra was neither here nor there for a long time. But when she uh, actually, you know, took that beating and she didn't squeal on her friends, I thought that was an incredible scene. And it showed how much resilience that character had. Showed how tough she was. And I thought, uh, I, I thought a little bit better of uh, Atra at the end of the season. While that was a good scene for her, mm-hmm. the existence of it was just so preposterous. <laughs> Damn. Like, how did that scene even happen? This, like, little 12-year-old girl says that she's Kudelia, who spoke in front of, uh, you know, this big political audience years ago. Like, these Gallarhorn guys, they don't have phones like mm-hmm. a Gallarhorn work phone with some kind of space internet where they could type in Kudelia Ina Bernstein and see a picture <laughs> of her that she very clearly is not this tiny girl. Yeah, you gotta like love it. That just, that just doesn't happen. They got space colonies and robots and spaceships, but no smartphones to look up somebody and see that they are not, in fact, who they claim to be. Your brother, in the Old West, they even have wanted posters, so you figure they at least have that. <laughs> Some kind of, you know, image of her so that people could spot her in the street whenever possible. And and the but the people on the street knew who she was. Um the the Dort activists knew who she was. They even brought her in on their on their protest. So, you know, it makes well, they, sense. Well they they had been built up mm-hmm. uh to know who she was by right. uh, fat guy. But like the people on the news, they knew who she was. Mm-hmm. So why? Why didn't Gallarhorn know who she was? That's, it is a pretty much a those, uh, those two guys were pretty stupid. A plot hole, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> oh, shout outs to Yazi. He has a few points he wanted to bring up. Uh, he he agrees with you. He says quite a number of things in Iron Blooded Orphans seems to be inspired by Dugram, like the sparking in the Union rebellion rebellion in the Dort colonies. Um, 
He also says one of the sus one of the aspects I enjoy about Iron Blooded Orphans is the parts scavenging after the battles to make up for the lack of resources for Tekadon. Yeah, that was pretty cool that they recycled everything they could get their hands on and rebuilt suits for their own people to use. How they only started out with one suit and then they ended up having uh, several of them by the end of the series. And the characters that you saw that were just going around in normal suits finally got mobile suits and uh, the damage that they got to do on that was pretty dope. Um, any thoughts on that at all? You know, you... Uh work with what you have and it's sort of the uh anti-voyager yeah. effect anti-voyager <laughs> where if voyager no matter how badly it got blown to smithereens boy that next episode it looked shinier than the enterprise d exactly <laughs> it was that gel technology chris Sure, or, or the 20 zillion torpedoes they had. Oh, my God. You know, it, the, the 20 zillion being 38. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 um, they um, apparently, uh, they, they miscounted. Yeah. <laughs> but I like having to scavenge stuff and the way that they had to, uh, you know, use those grazes and the way that they took the goosey in and stripped it down to the rebake. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, when you're the scrappy underdog, you have to fight your enemy on the same terms and use whatever you can scrounge up. And if that means using their suits against them, why the hell not? Yeah, exactly. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, MS Saga, uh, that really bad RPG they put out here a couple of years ago where you beat up mobile suits and then you got to collect the parts and build them as well. Yeah, they, they just went on to show their resilience, and I, I appreciated that with those characters. And how they uh, how they fought to survive the entire damn way, but man, uh, let's see here. Um, we'll wrap this up in just a moment. Uh, Yazi asks, "Did you find? Did you guys find the odd timing of Ein in the Gray's Ein without limbs, uh, and with Daryl in the Psycho Zaku in similar time?" Uh, Daryl, uh, what? I'm talking about Thunderbolts. Oh, thank you. They, well, they came out. Oh, they came out that, around the same time. That's right. Holy shit! And not really. I mean, uh, orphans. Orphans had already been over for a couple of months. Of course, it was already known by then that Thunderbolt was being done, and the manga had been out. But uh, you know, I would say that it's. Uh, coincidence the idea of people being put inside machines and controlling them that's not a new thing to make an anime yeah that's true that's true yeah i, I guess roll of the dice yasi roll of the dice but uh thank you very much for your tweet yo dalo the legendary dalo relance who's also in the chat shout out to him he says my feelings ibo was a good show well then dalo thank you for that in-depth <laughs> tweet <laughs> Well, here's here's another one uh, from Rob Mallard on Twitter saying, oh. IBO S2, Space Whale caused the Calamity War, Space Whale confirmed for S2, hashtag give me the whale. Give me the whale, yo. <laughs> Shout out to Rob Mallard, man. I see him in the chat too. Yo, Rob, how you doing? Um, yeah, give me the Space Whale, man. Finally, we'll get the answers we've been seeking. <laughs> yeah. Never, never we will. Um Hey man, that seed movie could still happen, you oh know. Oh my god. It could it could be just around the corner. Man, what what would we see first? Uh, the corner that uh we've been trying to round for ten years, which is the last time they mentioned it. <laughs> but it could happen. It could, huh? 
Yeah, just like just like Half Life Three. <laughs> what will we see first? Macross coming back to the world, or uh, the next Seed movie? <laughs> uh, Half Life Two Episode Three. There you go. There you go. Yo, Gordon, let's go. I'm ready for him. I'm ready for him. All right. Um, last but not least, we'll go with uh, one of. Shout out to Austin. He uh, brings up a question here. He says, do you think that Mika's personality slash character falls in line with Gundam protagonists like Hiro or Setsuna? If so, if not, why? Um, that's, to me, I don't think he's like them. Because Hiro, even though he had like this, this uh, sociopathic side, at the end of the day, it was, it's kind of built up and you know, he eventually kind of warms up. Um, same thing for Setsuna, you know, he kind of, uh, mellows out and even in the, by the end of the first season, he mellows out. Um, but Mika is more militant at the end of the season, <laughs> I think. I mean, he has a human side too, but at the same time he can kill on at, at the flip of a switch. He's not uh, burdened by any kind of, any kind of, uh, morals when it, when it, when he's on the battlefield at all. He will he will kill an enemy with the quickness, and he doesn't care about rules or any of that shit. He'll he'll take you out if you pose a threat. And... I will partially disagree with you. Okay. Because yes, Hero is a sociopath, but he was also taken in at a young age and trained to be this child warrior special operative. Yeah. And if you look at Young's impressionable Setsuna, who killed his family. Mm-hmm. He also later ended up getting taken in by um, Celestial Being and trained into being uh, Mobile Suit Pilot. But I think that Mika is what Hiro and Setsuna would have been had they just been homeless street rats forever. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You make you raise a very good point then. Holy shit. You know, he's, he's more simplistic. He's uh, definitely a bit more animalistic. Mm-hmm. You know, he just functions on this sort of simple pain-pleasure spectrum of Orga promised to take me where we belong, and I need to fight and kill whoever until we get to the place where we belong. He doesn't think about difficult situations until pretty much the end of the season so i think he's kind of going in the same direction a little bit Mm -hmm. as hero and setsuna but years behind where they were at the same age yeah that's a very good insight then holy shit (laughs) he's he's the worst case scenario is that what you say (laughs) not 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 the worst case scenario but Mm. to quote general hate uh probably what happens when orphans stay orphans oh my god speaking of general hate man has he had the chance to sample the show's wares yet he uh he likes the show he liked oh. it yeah yo even with orphans in the title holy shit i know it's amazing <laughs> oh my god dude we got if anything on any of these days we got to get his take on the show here on gundam general hate i miss you i miss you guy i miss you austin i know we've had our problems but he I doesn't miss, miss you, you. well tell him to go f himself I will. <laughs> With my compliments. <laughs> but um, any any final thoughts on the series? I guess we should we should definitely uh, uh, pretty much give our overall thoughts at at the end. Um, for me, Iron Blooded Orphans definitely was a, a, a fantastic watch. Uh, definitely had an intensity to it uh, to this Gundam series that I hadn't felt in Gundam in a long while. Um, and watching it, the characters develop and 
seeing um, the trials that they went through and them eventually reaching their goals, uh, even with the fact that there wasn't that much, uh, that, that much, that, that many fatalities at the end, I still um, found the show to be a solid watch and uh, I'm excited about season two overall. Um, I would probably give this season uh, overall probably about uh, four RoboCop Eins out of five. I would say it's a solid show, not without its flaws. If we're comparing it to other split season Gundam shows, of which, of course, there is only one, mm-hmm. I would say that Double O season one was better than Orphans. Well, there you go. Double O season one was better than uh, the season one of Orphans. Really, man? Yes. Yeah. Um, I I would almost say, man. Now you bring that up. I'd, I'd say Double O season one was slightly better, especially the last couple episodes seemed to be that natural buildup. It seemed to have that natural buildup as opposed to how the last two episodes of the show kind of just throw you into the final battle and there's no warm up to that. Oh, that's the essential difference that with Double O you could you had the sense from the beginning that it was all going somewhere and it did. Whereas with Orphans, when they were kind of lost in space you as the viewer felt similarly lost in space. Like, where is this going and what does any of it mean? Oh my God. <laughs> exactly. Yo, shout out, shout out to Fred. He says, IBO greater than double O. This man hates double O so much. <laughs> shout out to Fred Rex. I also see Eric's in the chat. Thanks for coming out guys. Yeah. I forget that Fred, he's, he's in love with uh, iron blooded orphans, but yeah, now that you bring that up, I would say that, um, double O is it slightly has the edge. Season one is slightly has the edge over this, but I would definitely put these two series in the same pantheon with uh, with each other when it comes to Gundam series. All right, and for my rating, I'm I'm gonna be lazy. Oh, and just refer to my review average. There you from, go. <laughs> from the website, which damn it, I didn't do yet because it's only half the show. <laughs> I was about to hear some decibels, man. What happened? <laughs> 3.75687. Oh my gosh. We're going to bust out the calculator here. <laughs> I'll, I'll just go with that number. There you Fuck go. 3.8 3. million. Uh, uh, updated when season two finishes. <laughs> Amen. But uh, that's it for our review for uh, Iron Blooded Orphans season one um, and the final episodes uh, 16 through 25. Um, before we close out this episode, uh, you want to do a, a mailbag question real quick? Sure. Let's uh, let's do some quick mailbags. All right. Let's, I'm bringing it up now. Our first question, we're going to go ahead and jump ahead to the beginning of 2016 because we are so behind on questions, guys. Uh, it's been a while since we've done the show. So if you submitted a really important question, you want to get it truly answered, do me a favor. Do two things. Condense it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and you can resubmit it onto the thread. That's fine. And we'll read it. But uh, we're going to go with... The- Actually, before we do that, since oh, yeah. we started off the show on a different foot, yeah. I would like to do a very, very minor straight talk. Oh, please. Oh, God. I'm riveted. Yo, rev up the engine. It's been a while. Dust off that, that console, man. Let's go. I'm ready for the straight talk. Go for it. Okay, so, bro, do you, on the Facebook, yeah. ever see... Any ads from Right Stuff or Nozomi Entertainment? I, I, from time to time, I believe, yeah. And are those ads ever for Gundam? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Not usually. Okay. Well, if you had seen them, mm-hmm. and if you had clicked on the comments, 
you would find a mix of people who a are happy to see it, which is good. Yeah. And b the unfortunately more prevalent in the case of posts about double zeta x turn a whining and complaining and demanding english dubs some going so far as to say that they will not buy it unless there's an english dub what oh no yes oh no oh yeah good if you see them pop up in your timeline Mm -hmm. any of these sponsored posts click on the comments and you will see it wow for yourself that's ridiculous, though. I don't get why. Okay, I mean, granted, I know that I love an English dub, too. Don't get me wrong, stream. I love an English dub to a show, and I'm enjoying the dub for Iron-Blooded Orphans right now. But it's not, uh, it's, it doesn't kill my enthusiasm to buy a Blu-ray or DVD. What pisses me off is if six months later they, re- they, reveal, they release an English dub. But, you know, I've already committed to the version I bought, and I'll just wait to the next format to get the English dub. That's usually how I do it. But I'll continue, sir. Okay, so here's what I have to say about that. Mm -hmm. If you're one of these types who complains that you won't buy a Gundam unless it's dubbed, I'm sorry, but you're just an idiot. Oh, shit. (laughs) You know what? what? I'm not sorry. You're just an idiot. And here's the reason why. Um, I see the complaint. I like dubs because I want to uh, multitask and do something while I'm watching anime. Mm Mm-hmm. Why can't you just watch the anime? Why do you have to be doing something else? Yeah. You can't, you're so freaking busy that you can't find the time to just sit down for 22 minutes and watch an episode of anime? Yeah. It's a show, a show that you like? Yeah. I mean, how do you normally watch television? By looking at everything but the television? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's um, the same problem I have when people go to the movies and want to bust out their phone or talk during the film. And, you yeah. know, the people just have no cooth. It's like, if you're going to watch a show, watch a goddamn television show. Pay attention. A lot of people worked on that. And, yeah, it's in Japanese. Get over it. <laughs> At the end of the day, I would love to have everything that I watch to be dubbed, but I know it comes out in, Jap- in Japanese first. So, you know, if I have to get it in just Japanese, so be it. I'll get it in just Japanese. At least I have it. Here's the other thing. Mm-hmm. This, this incenses me even more. People who say... They want dubs because they don't like things in Japanese. Mm-hmm. And my response to that is, but you say that you like Japanese animation, yeah. but you refuse to watch it in its original language. That, to me, is about as senseless as saying, I love Italian food, but not anything that has pasta in it. <laughs> That's about right. Like, it, just, it just makes no sense. If you claim that you love Japanese anime, you will at some point just have to deal with the fact that there's some stuff that you're going to watch only in Japanese. Yeah, That's just the simple reality of it. And to just really lay it out, these Gundam shows are at least 20 years old. Mm-hmm. For the most part. Exactly. They're a niche product and Mecha is a niche product. Right. Dubs cost money. Dubs cost a lot of money. So simple economics dictates that if you have to go through extra costs to release your product, that you have to sell more of that product if you want to make a profit. Mm -hmm. But if you're talking about a product that only has niche appeal and will not reach blockbuster levels, then adding that unnecessary cost just dooms your product to unprofitability. 
Exactly. A lot a lot of animes are also consumed by <coughs> downloads off the internet or watching streams. So a lot of these shows have already been watched. For people who are actually buying these DVDs or Blu-rays, they've already watched the show and they they're encouraged enough to go out and buy the Blu-rays and DVDs. These are not millions of people going out and buying millions of copies. It's at the best they're going to sell thousands of copies. And yeah. do, the cost of doing a dub is really expensive. If they're going to air it on American television, you're going to get a dub because they're not going to be able to put it on American television with the with 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 the Japanese subtitle uh, with, with the subtitle track. They're just not going to be able to do it. But, but these ancient shows aren't going on television. No, anymore. that's just not going to happen. Yeah. And I said this before when the Sunrise Right Stuff deal happened. This is Gundam's second chance in America, in Mm -hmm. the West more broadly. There's not going to be a third chance. Exactly. If this doesn't do it, then you might as well forget about it because (laughs) we're not going to get any new series or old series. Yeah. And I've said this before, but it bears repeating. If you refuse to buy a Gundam series because it doesn't have the dub that you want... Mm -hmm. The message you are sending to Sunrise and Right Stuff is not dub this and I will buy it. The message you are sending is I don't care about supporting Gundam because they don't care about your comments on their posts. They don't care about what you say on Twitter or Reddit or Facebook. What they care about is the sales figures. And who gets to look at them? Them, not us. Exactly. Who gets to make these decisions? Them, not us. And we the- can influence that by voting with our wallets. So. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same sentiment as we repeated so many times during the release of the origin manga. Put your money where your mouth is. If you really care about Gundam, if you want to support it, you need to buy these products. Again, if the case were that it's an inferior product because it was defective or they had bad translations, then yeah, you want to withhold your purchase. But if it's just the simple thing of you're a whiny crybaby who wants English doves because, you know, that's your personal preference, get over yourself and realize that not everything is about you. Yeah, I get it. it you, the, the heyday of anime in the United States is over. You, everything used to get dubbed. Everything used to get dubbed. And companies lost a lot of money <laughs> because of that shit. And a lot of those companies are no longer here. The few anime companies that actually uh, localize and translate and dub anime out here in the States, they're, they're a handful now. And even they have to pick and choose their battles with that. I'm glad that the right stuff is actually bringing over these shows. I actually own uh, the Blu-rays for Mobile Suit Gundam, the uh, original series, plus the original DVDs that uh, Bandai released years ago. I own those too. And I just got Turn A Gundam, both sets. So I'm happy to own those. I can't wait to get my hands on X. Shout-outs to... Uh, a uh, young man by the name of Joseph Diane in the chat. He says, my copies of Gundam X are my babies. My friends also got me the Turn A movies. And when I get some funds, I'm going to buy Build Fighters, which I guess is coming out here, right? Yes, and try. And and try. And and Char's Counterattack. And, and Char's Counterattack, of course, will be dubbed, oh, possibly, because the, the DVD was. But is uh, did they say they're going to dub Build Fighters or try? I'm assuming no. It's- it's the Asian dubs. Oh, Jesus Might Christ. Might be there for novelty. Oh, no. <laughs> well, I hope they stepped up their dub game, because that, that, that doubles ate a dub. Oof. Ooh. I, I don't think it's that bad, oh. but it's probably going to sound weird. Oh. And just so people know, I have put my money where my mouth is, because I bought all of this Gundam shit back in the aughts when it was coming out here. I have tons of manga from Tokyopop sitting on my shelf. I have all 12 volumes mm-hmm. of the origin. I have sitting on my Blu-ray shelf 
MSG, Zeta, all seven volumes of Unicorn, mm-hmm. the Double O movie. I have Double Zeta on order. I still have all of the old Bandai DVDs. And those that I've replaced, I've just given them out to friends, not yeah. even trying to sell them to recoup some cash. I just, I gave General Hate my fancy Zeta DVD box set from 2004. Well, he don't deserve that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing the Lord's work anyway. Good shit. <laughs> I'm spreading the gospel of Gundam. Hey, man, you, you're going in foot first, man. That's what's up. If anything, I, maybe I can learn from you and, and be able to be convinced to part with my original, my original uh, uh, releases of the Mobile Suit Gundam uh DVDs. No, I'm lying. The shit's gonna stay on my shelf. <laughs> oh, and I, I also bought X and Turn A, of course. Oh yes. So I gave I gave away uh, my MSG uh, DVDs. I bought those Anime Legends box sets right when the Bandai Apocalypse happened. Never even actually watched them, but I gave them away because I have the Blu-rays now. Good shit, man. So you're basically upgrading, moving up to the next, uh, the next and probably final uh, format. <laughs> based on disc and um i i I just say if you guys can get your hands on gundam and you really want to support it whether it comes with a dub or not get your hands on it the newer shows are probably going to be dubbed if they come out here the older shows unless you want to crowdfund it (laughs) that's the only way you're probably going to see those get dubbed and i don't even think right stuff or anybody else who's going to localize these shows are going to go through that trouble they're just going to get them out get them produced and hopefully make a profit off of it so that way they can move on and do the next series. I just want all of Gundam to come to the States. And if it means it's all subtitled, you know what? Back in the day we used to buy bootleg DVDs of these shows. Uh just to get them in the, just to get them in our hands so we could watch them back when they weren't so readily available on the internet. So, you know, I'd rather buy a, a actual legitimate release that's subtitled if I have to. And if I'm going to watch the show, I'm going to pay the F attention to it as opposed to doing my by doing my laundry or or, or, or taking the deuce or whatever <laughs> you guys have in mind to do instead of watching the actual show. So, yeah, I don't, I don't understand that shit at all. So, uh, Silver, I got a question for you. Yes, sir. So, Right Stuff has been alternating between new releases of Gundam stuff that never came out here and putting back into print old stuff from the Bandai Entertainment days. Oh, uh, what's your most anticipated of either of those, whether it's a new release or a reissue on Blu-ray? Oh my god, from Bandai specifically, uh, I would love a Blu-ray um, version of Argento Soma. I own the DVDs, and I love no, it. I'm talking about, talking about Gundam. Oh, Gundam-wise? Mm. Well, I need to get my hands on Zeta, so that's already been done. Um, Gundam-wise, G-Gundam would be really awesome. Um, well, I got news for you on that. Oh, shit. It comes out in Japan in the fall, so don't expect to see it here for a long time. Oh, damn it. But you know what, though? At least it's coming out. So it's coming out on Blu-ray in Japan in the fall. So yes. if that, I mean, that means it's possible once that happens. Even if we have to wait a couple years, as long as we get it, even if Blu-ray's going out the door, I'll still buy that shit. <laughs> I'll still get it if they release that. So on Blu-ray, I, I want to own G Gundam. I never owned the series. Um, I always borrowed it from uh, Neo. 
are from someone else, but I'd never owned a G Gundam, so to own it on Blu-ray would be fantastic. And I would. I, I have still my my twelve individual volumes. Oh shit, man! Yep. That was a really cool release too. I love how they released that series on on DVD. And uh, props to Bandai if they're grabbing up other Bandai licenses, man. Um, as well as Gundam, man. I'm looking forward to see what they're going to pop out next. Oh, uh, Yahtzee has a suggestion for you. What's that? Sobro wants those 0080 Blu-rays, those young Asian boys in HD. Yahtzee, you're the worst. <laughs> I don't want young Asian boys in, in, in 1280p. <laughs> Rob Ballard says, oh man, Birdie's Lament remastered. Oh my fudge. <laughs> Come on, I would love to own that, though. I'm not going to lie. I would love to own that on Blu-ray, as well as uh, 8th MS Team. Holy shit. Any word on that? That came out in Japan, like, three years ago, at least, so I'm sure it will be reissued here next year. We do know for sure, so far, that uh, according to Sean Kleckner, that Wing will be in 2017, and the Blu-rays of that look really nice, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um... I think they'll probably just keep going back and forth with the reissues and the new stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll probably get those Blu-rays of Seed and Destiny, which I will not buy because I'm not going to support uh, shit that's all cropped up into fake widescreen. Yeah, if it's not an actual, uh, if it's not remastered or if it's not, um, you know, if they didn't pull it for the masters and actually upscaled it properly, I don't want to deal with that because they, I think they pulled that bullshit with Cowboy Bebop initially. And maybe I'm wrong about that. It was some popular no. series they... They uh, put out just a lame, upscaled version that looked like shit, and you know it pissed off a lot of people. And I'm glad I dodged that particular one. But um, what about Victory? Victory, I believe, is on the schedule for the end of this year because we know the release is up to September, which is Shars Counterattack. So we still have whatever they're going to release for October, November, December. My money is F91. V-Box 1 and V-Box 2. Okay. That's my money. So we'll see soon enough because uh, Sunrise announces these things the first Wednesday of every month. Not bad. If that's the case, I will, uh, I'll, I, I'll be on the lookout for that. Now that, I, now that I am working, I can actually set aside uh, a little bit of fundage to get those uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. I still got to get caught up and pick up X. because X So, is uh... So can I, because uh, even though I was always working, now I'm working at a better job. Hey. So more disposable income. Yay. Yo, welcome to being paid. Yes. Yo, it's been too long. <laughs> but uh, any, 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 uh, anything else you wanted to straight talk about before we get into the mailbag? That's it. Shut up and buy Gundam. Hey. If it's not an inferior, defective release, shut up and buy it. There you go. So, uh, yeah, man, um, if you have a problem with no, not being a dub, uh, so be it. But uh, you're, you're hurting more than helping. And um, if you don't think so, when uh, we don't get Gundam anymore, you'll be the first person I blame. So there you go. <laughs> but uh, we'll do this one question for the mailbag this time, and I'm sure we'll do more in future episodes. But shout-outs to Jab02, who writes, hey, simple, hey guys, simple one. Here, uh, simple one here. How do I get my wife into Gundam? That's 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 a crazy question, sir. <laughs> Don't. Don't. I I I have been Don't ma- I have been married for uh, six years. Coming up uh, next uh, this weekend, actually, Fourth uh, of July weekend. Um, and uh, my wife, 
she I think watched Gundam Wing. But uh, other than that, she really hasn't had that strong of interest. She loves Ronin Warriors. So if anything, uh, there's that. But uh, I, other than maybe the occasional theme song to Gundam, um, for a Gundam series, especially like for Double O, she liked a lot. She liked a couple opening and ending themes for that. She, the most that she sees at Gundam is when I watch it, and it really doesn't grip her. Um, if you want to get your wife into Gundam, I would say introduce her to the um, an OVA. Uh, like 0080 or um, something that's short and sweet that if it happens to, you know, strike a chord with her, maybe she'll want to watch an entire series. I mean, if you want to dive into it, another great pick is the original um, the original movies from Mobile Suit Gundam, the ones they released that encapsulate the original series. So um, if you want to try that out and see how it takes, you could try that too. But um, any suggestions, uh, Chris, at all or give up? <laughs> See, I think you're overlooking the fact that this question is deceptively simple, but it's really not because mm-hmm. there's a lot of – if we were speaking in person, I would ask him a lot of follow-up questions like, um, is she an anime fan at all? Yeah. Because we need to know that. So if she is already not interested in anime, you have that uh, obstacle to get past. Mm-hmm. Question number two that's of equal importance how does she feel about older animation yes because as we've discussed many times on this show there are a lot of people who don't like what they consider old anime and old can be anything older than five years or anything older than the year 2000 so that will determine what you do i just to keep things very very simple just go with double o yeah uh, that's not a bad that's not a bad pick um it also depends on what yeah, she likes um if she's not into the mecha anime it's probably not yeah. gonna be easy to get her into it but i would say this do an exchange and what i mean by that is there's pick something that she likes that you have not given the light of day at all something that she's passionate about and get uh, and and you absorb that and see if you actually enjoy that or have her try to convince you to like that and then you you, in, you introduce her to something that's Gundam related that you want her to check out, and you just got guys make a day of it. If there's a movie that she really loves and she wants you to watch it with her, do it. But tell her there's a caveat, and that is, well, after that we're gonna watch a couple episodes of the show. Are you cool with that? And then you can try to make that sales pitch to her and see how that works. Maybe because you actually put out your best effort with what she likes. And um, you took a, you took a moment to try to understand that maybe she'll do the same for you, and maybe the, she'll see something that you like in that, and maybe she, she'll be able to pull from that too. I, I'm not saying that that's a guarantee. I'm just saying you put your best foot forward, maybe she will as well. So you knows? certainly got a better case if you are also willing to watch something that she likes. Mm-hmm. And given all these other factors about the mecha combat, the story development, characters, animation, all of that, if Double O as your baseline works, and she's open to old animation. Then maybe go with something like X or the original movie trilogy. And if she doesn't like Double O at all, then I would say, well, at least you tried. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. And, and don't don't make her sit down and watch ten episodes in a row. Just like yeah. enough and, to be the length of a movie, like three episodes, and, and then- don't pull up like mahq or wikipedia (laughs) start explaining all of this complicated history about zeon and the one-year war you know like it's a freaking uh history class yeah 
just just let her absorb the show for what it is. And if she takes to it, she'll want to look it up herself. And she'll look up all the back, you know, all the backstory. Or she'll ask you questions. And then you can answer those questions after you watch the episodes. But watch it like a movie. And then if she actually has a passing interest in it, maybe that can blossom into something else. And My, my last bit of advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's something you think is particularly representative of Gundam, even if it's something that's out of order, use that as your selling point. Case in case in point here uh my girlfriend had never seen doctor who yeah. before we got together oh. and i wanted to uh introduce her to it mm-hmm. but i knew that the first episode of the revived show would not be the best entry point right for that uh do you watch doctor who Solbro? i have i've only watched maybe a, a, a one episode or two but uh, i haven't really watched too many i've had i've been wanting to get into it though but uh I just I haven't I haven't taken the time. <laughs> Has one of those one or two episodes you watched happened to be one called Blink? Is that the one with uh, um, the Weeping Angels? The Weeping Angels? No, I keep hearing about the one with Van Gogh though. The episode, yeah, with Van that's Gogh. that's that's a good one. Um, so the episode that I introduced her to with this show was in the third season near the end in the 10th Doctor's run, so I had to explain just some of the basic elements of, you know, Time Lord, TARDIS, blah, 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 mm-hmm. but just the strength and originality of that story sold it to her so much that she wanted to watch the revived show from the beginning, Ooh. and the next thing we watched was the first episode of the Ninth Doctor's run, and then after that it was over, I asked her, what sold you better on this show? The first thing I showed you or this right here? And just blink sold her better. So, wow. and then I repeated that with, uh, Star Trek because she had seen the movies, but had never seen next generation. Oh my God. So I knew, I knew that Farpoint was just an awful episode and not the place to start. Most of season one and two, you just might as well skip. (laughs) So I hooked her with, Yesterday's Enterprise. Oh, that's not a bad one. That's not a bad one at all. Holy shit. Man, so what what were her thoughts on that? She loved it, and mm-hmm. we kept watching more, so I've just been sort of showing her the, the best of Next Gen, trying to do all killer, no filler. Yeah. And she loves the show, so awesome. pick, pick something of Gundam. If, even if it's like, let's say you're going double O. Mm-hmm. If there's one specific episode that really captures everything that's not the first episode... Just go with it and explain lightly as needed, but not to an overbearing degree. All I know is uh, the only show I think I got my wife into was uh, Mas- not MasterChef, but, uh, but Hell's Kitchen. At first, when we, when we met, she didn't really care uh, for watching the uh, Gordon Ramsay shows. And then uh, one particular day, we started watching it. First, I was watching it in the living room for some reason. She loves uh, cooking shows. And uh, she got sucked in, and now we watch everything with Gordon Ramsay in it. So there you go. And shout out, dude. That doesn't even, that doesn't even count. Oh my god, I know. That's, I know. <laughs> it doesn't, even, doesn't even count. That's reality shows. It that's, is that's like that's, it's there's no storyline. There's no like you know. It's a low bar. Writing. I know. <laughs> it's just Gordon yelling at people, which is enter- that 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 doesn't like need much introduction. It's he best. yells at people who displease him. I gotta give I gotta give Christopher Mallard, yo Chris Mallard, dude. The Mallard brothers are here. The Super Mallard brothers. Chris Mallard says, "Tell her you watch. You'll watch Fixer Upper." Jokes on her. That show's great. 
Chris, you ain't lying. I fucking love me some uh, some DIY shows and some HGTV shows. Yo, Property Brothers all day, my brother. Let's go. <laughs> I'm boring. <laughs> oh my god! Bright Star Song says the ep that Tasha Yar dies. Ooh, ooh, Jesus! <laughs> yeah, with with the, the disgusting oil monster that's just kind of there. Yeah, that's that's a great episode. Oh my god! Oh, Yahtzee says, "So, bro, you didn't show your wife that masterpiece that is Street Fighter Two V." Yo, Yahtzee, I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh Yazzie, why why do you torture me? Good shit. But um <laughs> I gotta give props to Jabo too for that question. Thank you so much. And for everybody else who uh, submitted questions for the mailbag, um uh, we'll go ahead and get to those uh in a later episode. Also, you guys can submit questions by way of Twitter. I should have mentioned mentioned this at the top of the show, but every episode we're gonna be using a hashtag. In this episode it was hashtag Gundam Live 176. Uh, next episode, of course, will be live uh, 177, and so on and so forth, um, corresponding with the episode, the episode number. But yeah, um, if anything, uh, we're gonna wrap this up. But uh, Chris, any any thoughts before we go ahead and close out this episode, uh, our first live episode of Gundam and MHQ, uh, at least on stream, anyway. Everyone who disagrees with me about everything is wrong and is a horrible person. The end. There you go. <laughs> or, or at least that's what the internet says of me. So it might as well be true, right? Exactly. <laughs> I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be this cartoonish villain from now on, <laughs> just for shits and giggles. Yo, mustache twirling. <laughs> there you go. Good. Chris is now. Um, uh, was it Dick Dastardly? Good shit. Put on your top hat, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah thank you guys for watching the show tonight if you guys uh don't know uh make sure to check out mahq.net uh the mech and anime headquarters where all the magic happens uh that's where we're based out of and also make sure to check out mechatalk.net that's the official forums for mahq.net go there sign up be become part of the conversation check us out on ma on facebook as well as on twitter at mahq.net and at gundam at mahq and uh, also, Chris, uh, what you got, what do you guys have cooking for Chaos Theater, man? Well, mm-hmm. just recently, we did Batman versus Superman versus Civil War. Ah, damn it! <laughs> and mm-hmm. knowing me as you do, mm-hmm. take a guess out of which of those two movies I didn't like. Oh my god, I would imagine it was Civil War. I'm lying. I'm lying, of course. Uh, <laughs> Batman, you, I, I, you know, I never asked you. Did you hate Man of Steel, or did you find any kind of entertainment with it at all? I thought it was okay but flawed when I first saw it, but upon subsequent re- rewatch mm-hmm. and further thought, I dislike it more and more. Oh, man. <laughs> but it's better than Batman vs. Superman, which ain't saying much, but still something. I gave... Uh... I gave Batman v Superman a barely passing grade for the theatrical cut, um, but now that this new cut is out, I am kind of interested in seeing how it's. Uh, it, people say it's improved. Um, I just don't know by how much. Some people say it's barely improved. Other people say it's uh, vastly improved with this new cut. So it's over three hours, but that's the original version that uh, not only did the executive see, but focus groups saw, and they all enjoyed the movie before it hit theaters. So. I'm, I'm how, is, how is an extra half hour going to make uh, Jesse Eisenberg any less shrill <laughs> or less annoying? 
how it's not how how is an extra half hour going to make batman any less of a moronic murder obsessed freak how he was a murder machine in that movie how is an extra half hour going to make martha any better <laughs> those questions i suspect the answer is it's not oh my god and Maybe there's something in there that makes this movie a little bit better, but I have to think that some of those people who are saying that it's vastly better are just people who want to love this movie so much that they are deluding themselves into saying that it's better. I know, I know, at least real experience. I know at least one or two people outright hated uh, the original film. They couldn't stand it, Um, and uh, they actually enjoyed this one a whole lot more than. um, then they, they vastly enjoyed the uncut version so it was like night and day to them in a sense like they they were outward, outwardly um you know angry at at the uh, original theatrical release and they they couldn't wait to tell everybody how bad it was and then they saw the other version and they liked it a whole lot more and they gave it a favorable rating so for some people it is night and day I don't think it's going to be like that for me when I watch it. I think it's going to just be slightly better. I'm just wanting the story to make more sense when it comes to uh, the different uh, the transitions from scene to scene. So I guess we'll see. But you, when's that episode coming out for Chaos Theater? Oh, it's already out. Oh, well, shit. It's been out. <laughs> well, so, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I ever get around to seeing it, which the thought of spending another three hours watching this stuff again <laughs> is about as appealing as going to the dentist and having teeth pulled. Yeah. I will share my comments, but I just can't, as of now, imagine how making this movie longer will help it when, if anything, it should have been a lot shorter. Yeah. (laughs) So, that's going to be a really hard sell for me. Well, damn. Um, But guys, if you've never checked out Chaos Theater before, it's MHQ's other podcasts they cover pretty much everything outside the world of mecha anime all sorts of genre uh fiction whether it be in movie form television form uh video games anime you name it they cover it uh comic books even um check it out over on chaostheater.blogspot.com you can also find them on itunes just search for chaos theater and also you can find them on twitter if you go to ctcast and um if anything i hope you guys uh check uh, subscribe to the show as well um other than that, the only thing I wanted to let you guys know about, um, we have another channel called, um, we have other channels uh, here in the uh, Shinjuku Station Pantheon, but um, one in particular is a channel called um, Shinjuku Station a- uh, EU, or Shin Station EU. They do uh, commentary streams, and they're going to have some commentary streams going on this weekend for, um, looks like, uh, I forget what that show's called, uh, something of the... Anyway, uh, check it out. Go to tinyurl.com. Good, good, good job. Oh, good, good job, job with selling that salesman. Oh, my yeah. God. I am the worst. Um, you know, the thing, they're doing the thing with they, the stuff. They, they, they do commentaries on anime all the time. They recently did commentaries on Double O and Iron Blooded Orphans, and the archive is still up there on the channel. So if you guys have time, go there by going to tinyurl.com slash shinstation.eu and check out the archives. They stream on the weekends starting on Friday at 4.30 p.m. in the in the afternoon. So if you guys want to check it out, join Archetype Saber and Sixer Mason for their commentaries on all sorts of different anime shows. And let them know that we sent you. They'll be joining me tomorrow night, actually, for commentary on Zone of the Enders. We'll be doing another stream over on tinyurl.com slash shinstation actually it's bit.ly slash shinstation it used to be tinyurl but that's gone now 
Um, join us over there tomorrow night at 9.30 p.m. for our commentary stream on Zone of the Enders, the anime. And I hope you guys come out for that, too. But uh, other than that, man, I think that's it. Uh, if there's nothing else, guys, thanks again for tuning in for Gundam and MAHQ, the live show. Um, if you watch, listening to the um, MP3, uh, tune into the next live show in two weeks, and uh, we'll see you guys there, man. Thanks for listening and watching. We'll see you guys later. The mastermind behind the students' rebellion against the Federation was Shar Osnabu. But now he is on Earth, in the Amazon region. While there, he has a fateful encounter with Lala, a girl with strange abilities. The race to develop mobile suits, which will change the face of warfare, intensifies. With his pride at stake, Amuro's father, Tem Ray, proposes the development of the RX-78. The first battle to the death between mobile suits in human history unfolds in the twilight zone of the lunar surface. The Principality of Zeon declares independence from the Earth Federation. The curtain rises on war. Lala, what are you doing right now? Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. My dad joined Starfleet because he believed in it. I joined on a dare. You joined to see if you could live up to him. He spent all his time trying to be your dad. means to be you. We were overwhelmed by something. Something we've never seen before. I know this isn't the last of my crew. But this is my last report as the captain of the Starship Enterprise.